3: Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Lawrence Conley, and we will also be joined by Natasha Miko, uh, who will be joining us to talk about all manner of subjects Involving Celtic. Lawrence, there's always loads to talk about. Um, the, the main topic is still who is going to take over as manager. Um, just about everybody's throwing their hat in the ring. We're also going to be speaking about the matter of a Glasgow derby game this weekend, and the term. The terminology obviously that's been used uh, in different areas of the football world uh, being owned and claimed and controlled by Celtic which is a good move but they have confirmed that as well, Lawrence, people going on about the use of the term old firm um, over the Glasgow Derby and if you don't use it then you're being petty, what's your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's factually correct isn't it, there's, there's no doubt, I mean it's proven a court of law I think Charles Green's lawyer also said, you know, it's a, a new Rangers football club. The old one died, uh, so you know you, you can call it all form if you just want to describe a, a job between Celduk and any football club called Rangers. Maybe I don't know. It's kind of it, it, it's, it's definitely a new one. I'm not overly bothered whether people use it or not, but it certainly doesn't describe the original old firm uh, combatants anymore because it you know, doesn't exist
3: the big thing for me is the minute anyone says it on a Celtic State of Mind and it has slipped through the net a few times Lawrence you have been guilty so you've got a big black mark against your name um, people do dive on it because I, I understand why people are so passionate about ensuring that uh, history isn't rewritten. There is no revisionism. And, you know, that's not taken away from what's happened this season. An actual fact, I, I say as a Celtic supporter that, um, you know, the fact that a club has been able to climb through the leagues and win the league so quickly um, is very much to the detriment. You know, if, th- if this was a club that had 130 odd years of goodwill, you would understand it. But, you know, Celtic have had uh, quite a head start. Uh, and to have blown it We've absolutely blown it. I had a very interesting discussion just uh, last night actually, Lawrence, all around the Ferrari this season and I was asked the question, do you think that you and the podcast overreacted? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm sitting here with the benefit now of hindsight going back over the season which uh, I'm not going to do because it was painful enough first time round. But I don't think there was an overreaction. I think Celtic fans seen the signs, they they seen what was, was happening very early on and uh, they called it out And credit to those who called it out a lot Sooner than I did um, But before we, we move into that area Of the conversation Natasha is joining us um, And there we go Natasha, welcome Hello. to Celtic State of Mind um, Thanks guys fashionably late fashionably (laughs) late that's fine um thank you before we actually move on thank you very much to long time contributor mark tyler i think Mm. that's how we pronounce mark's surname who has actually put together and compiled an axon playlist which let's just call um eclectic i think i was listening (laughs) to it this morning natasha it's pretty
5: so is i
3: Mm, it's pretty random
5: It is very random. I don't think I've ever seen some of those songs on the same playlist, but it is... um Certainly, broadening my musical horizons. So, thank you for that, guys. And I'm sure I'm introducing you to things you would never normally have
3: listened to. Well, the the big thing for me is um, I didn't pick my, my five best party tracks. I've got to, I've got to say, certainly, mings are a wee bit kind of uh, low tempo. Uh, but I've never had a compilation where we move from the Backstreet Boys to the beta, the Beta Band. Um, but yeah, it's, it's enjoyable all the same. Uh, well, Natasha, you exactly. You've just joined. Us in the middle of a conversation, all around this uh, at this weekend's fixture, of course, that's what we're talking about. Uh, and the club have clarified the position on the old forum trademark, so mm. that that was good to get cr- clarified. And as had been suggested, it's all around you trademark that term, you control it, so no one can go and make money off it. No one can use it um, without the club's permission in that respect so Mm. it's a good move, we control the Mm. fact that we don't see ourselves as part of this alliance
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I've mentioned on here before, I'm a lawyer, I have spent a very, very short period of time in intellectual property law. And um, so my knowledge on that is not the same as some others might be. Um, but it made sense. The minute I saw them do it, it was like, well, of, of course they would. Um, not only for, you know, some of the historical material that we've got, but to protect the use of it going forward. Um so, well, we won't use it, and while we won't refer to ourselves in something that doesn't exist any longer. Then it makes sense to use and keep the trademark. Um, and anyone using that as a suggestion that Celtic still want to be part of that alliance, um, I think, is clutching at straws slightly there.
3: Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Um, now, obviously. It's the big talking point, regardless of what's happened with the league. We are playing Rangers this weekend. And, you know, looking ahead to that game, there's been a lot of discussion around what exactly is John Kennedy trying to do between taking the reins on an interim basis to the end of the season? Is it an ongoing job interview, as such? Um, Because, you know, the way I look at it, Natasha, is Celtic should be making their minds up about certain players who have a question mark, quite a, a bold question mark over them. And I'm talking about players like the, you know, the goalie that we spent five million pounds on, and Barca, and also A Yeti. But another striker as well for me, and Lee Griffiths. There's a huge question mark over whether or not Griffiths has another year at Celtic. I mean, how would you approach this weekend's game um, in respect of it's a dead rubber? is there such a thing and you know we're, we really want to assess a lot of these players who may or may not be here come next season how would you yeah. approach the lineup?
5: for me yeah absolutely for the rest of the season I want to assess some of the players I want to see some of the fringe players and I want to make a decision on them not this weekend um, for me this weekend I want us to go with their strongest lineup, and I want to see us do whatever it takes to stop this invincible league season and um, you know, when Glasgow derbies come around, they're never dead rubbers. Um, I want to see Celtic do everything they can to win that game. Um, and that means playing our strongest lineup. Going forward, you know, after this weekend and after this game, yeah, I actually, I do want to see more of Barkas. I want to see Griffiths get another shot. I want to see El so that we can make a decision on whether we're going to spend money on him. I want to see him play more game time. Let's try some different formations up top of the, Let's try a Yeti and Klamala, let's try a Yeti and Griffiths or Klamala and Griffiths. Mm. Um, I want to see those sort of formations. But this weekend I want to see Edward because I think Edward's the most likely of all of our strikers to score goals. Um so yeah, the rest of the season going forward, absolutely let's assess the full squad. This weekend, let's put out our strongest team and try and get the one.
3: This discussion will invariably uh, lead us on to who's going to take over as well Natasha That's a massive part of assessing the squad Um, But Colin and I met up on Saturday there We had a free weekend in terms of Celtic playing and we decided to have a look at the squad and have a look at just how big the rebuild is as well and I, I for one, was I knew it was a big rebuild but I was astonished at the amount of players that might actually be leaving the club but I think we counted up to 18 players that might be leaving and that includes the low knees, of course, who are already in Lawrence, I think most Celtic fans will echo the views of Natasha in relation to the way you approach the game what's your thoughts this weekend? Can you see um, Celtic making many changes from the team
4: that were disappointing against Dundee United. I don't see uh, too many changes, but I think a big problem is, well, at this point of the season, we don't know what strongest eleven is, and that's probably why we talk about we need to see these players to see if we can make a decision. Saying that, you know, I wouldn't make too many changes, but as a problem, we don't know what strongest eleven is. Who is our best keeper? You no, know, Barca's. He's not in many games. Is he better than Bain? Would you throw him in here? Probably not. But were that situation, you know, the league's gone. Well, March the sixteenth, you know, the day before party's day, and we, we still don't know our best of living. but uh, I definitely, no, I, I can't see us making any many changes on it, uh, if any. But yeah, the season going forward, we need to be giving these guys a run out, and I think probably the new manager, or director of football, are, have already been approached. The negotiations are, are, are on a bit, and hopefully, we're, we're speaking with them in the background, and John Kenny speaking with them in the background, and, and getting some thoughts already about who we'd like to see and maybe some things we'd like to try before now and the end of the season This
3: is a big thing for me Lawrence because you couldn't possibly come in once this season finishes assess the squad decide which loanies you want to return which ones you want to retain and and then decide to yourself how many players do I need to bring in the, the rebuilding job's too big between the end of the season and the European uh, qualifiers it's just impossible for anybody to do that so you would hope Natasha that the club are doing all this in the background and we're liaising with a potential uh, managerial dream team uh, talking of which though Tony Haggerty did say quite some time ago, that you aim at the very highest and you go for the very top of the tree, the man who's number one on your list, and you ask him the question. And over the last week or so, I've I've read various reports all around Ralph Rangnick who, you know, a lot of people like like the sound of him uh, a lot of people like what he does to clubs in terms of the whole structure you know, from the, the first 11 on the park right down to youth development the recruitment, the whole structure of the football department yep. and people kind of took it as, as read that he, he was gone he was um, going to join Schalke but the more you look into that it's not as simple as that, he's still not with Schalke and apparently the, the actual offer that was made to him was by a non-legitimate group um, of Schalke. There's there's real disharmony amongst the club at the moment. So he hasn't signed anything. He's not part of Schalke uh, going forward. But what I would take from that, if I was a football club like Celtic, is I would think, well, there is an opportunity there to still go to the very top of the tree and ask the question. He's shown that he would, yes, I know the Bundesliga is a much bigger uh, proposition a much bigger league than the Scottish League but in terms of ambition Celtic's ambition hopefully going forward will be in Europe as well Natasha do you still think that you would you would ask the question of someone like Ralph Reignick
5: I'd be asking the question um, certainly I want us to, to ask the question of, of everyone who's on our on our shortlist and I, I have to assume they have a shortlist I don't know how many names for example let's say they have a 10 man shortlist um, and then below that a second string list, I want them to be at least going out and asking the question to all these people. And if people think it, people like Ragnik and Benitez shouldn't be on the list, what's the harm in asking the question? Um, If they say no, then move to your backup option. The worry I have is that we're taking so long about it. Um, People like Ragnik are looking other places. Um, These managers who are at the top of our list, who we think, realistically, we're not going to get them but that's because they have so many other options. and um, They have other options to go to big leagues, um, big clubs, Celtic being a big club, but we're not in a big league. Um, so these guys all have other options. Um, and if we're stalling and if we're not asking the questions, they're going to get snapped up. Um, I think we're going to have to come a little bit further down the tree than that. Um, but I hope that these discussions are already underway and I accept that it's not a quick process, but I'd like to see some progress being made, whether that's you know a director of football being appointed first and we hear the announcement on that with a manager to follow Um, for example if we do announce that Harkin is going to be coming into this director of football role you know something like that would then signpost that perhaps Maresca is coming in to work with them so that could give some indication of of where we're going I'd like to see that progress being made Um, and you compare it with, I don't know if you've seen what Aberdeen have done this morning with the, the interview they've posted on their Twitter page really just updating the fans on what they're doing They're telling them that they're interviewing people, they have candidates, they've looked at all the applications they've got in, they've talked to all the people on their shortlist, and it's a process that might take two weeks, it might take three, it might take four. Mm. But they're telling them how they're working through it. They're telling them the values they have in mind when they're approaching these individuals. And they're telling them, you know, we are doing some work here behind the scenes. And I fully believe that Celtic will be, um, they could just... Communicate a bit better what they are doing and what the process is likely to be, um, how long it will take, when we expect to see some some changes coming in, or at least just confirm it, come out and confirm that it is John until the end of the season, which we all expect, but it was never actually confirmed to us. Um, you know, and that would have stopped a good amount of speculation.
3: Mm. No, you're right, and it's as simple as that. It really is that simple, Uh, Natasha. I was just speaking this morning about how everyone's adapted to this virtual life, you know, Mm. and and how's it going to get back to normal? Well, the new normal will not be um, as we were going about our business before. So you look at the music industry, you look at live tours and uh, things that have been put off already for 18 months, (laughs) potentially getting put off for another six months. We're at that stage where when we move into that two years down the line, um, we use our communications differently. And Aberdeen have done that to great effect. We've criticised Celtic on on this podcast for the way they've been engaging. But then we've got to give them credit for what they've done uh, over the last few weeks. And part of that was they invited uh, a number of podcasts in on a conference and the Fed us uh, their own message and they allowed us to speak to John Kennedy and David Turnbull so follow that up and continue with that engagement and and talk to us and I know that uh, obviously um, figures at Celtic have been in discussions with the Scottish Government this week in relation to this weekend's game, Uh, Lawrence I'm going to come to you, I know you're very uh, politically minded when it comes to to Celtic uh, and Scotland as a whole what's your thoughts on this intervention if you like that Uh, we've seen developing over the last few days?
4: I think the government had to intervene. You know, police are now showing some proactive policing. I believe they've been using intelligence-led policing and and, and they've been uh, visiting people in their homes and at their workplaces to tell them not to turn up at the ground, people that are on their intelligence lists. Not they're visiting the right people, but it shows the police do know how to preempt a situation and control it. Uh, just uh, can I ask questions about why you didn't do it you know the other weekend on the Saturday and Sunday you know
1: as the number one audio company iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Trust is a really hard thing to build
0: and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: All of a sudden, only just learnt these new skills. I don't know. Uh, Government's got to be involved with, with some kind of intervention because after what was allowed to happen and encouraged to happen I think a lot of people would attain that as a green light to do what they want at this game well you know look what happened the last two times we've done it the police gave us escorts so why wouldn't we go because it's allowed uh, so I, I think they need to get the message out you know that it's not uh, it's just Celtic's been kind of dragged in it's part of the story when I don't really think that's where the focus should be on. Should have been on the other uh, team uh, and how they approached it. The SFA still haven't spoken about about car sharing, but the numerous breaches that we're seen live in camera. Uh, you know, some some mum and mum must be raging because when uh, it was car sharing for them, it was you're losing three points. I understand? Mm. You know, they, they won that back in a, appeal, but you know, it was down it came down pretty quickly, uh, and it doesn't seem to be as swiftly. Uh, See
3: so when you talk about the intelligence-led policing, we spoke about that last week, didn't we? Uh, where they were basically asking us a question, how do we police this? And it was pretty obvious to anyone that intelligence-led policing was the way to, to take it forward. Now, that actually feeds in, Natasha, to a conversation we had with Celtic Shared. And you remember some of the criticisms around that were that the two guests we had uh, as part of that podcast um, didn't reveal their identities. And the reason they didn't reveal their identities were because they were part of the Green Brigade. And we spoke about that after the event. And it was all around Mm -hmm. the minute you say, I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm part of the, the Green Brigade, then you are on the police's radar. And you're the the type of person who they will find out where you live, they will knock on your door and they might speak to you in front of your kids and your wife and your family and and actually uh, make the whole process very uncomfortable. Now, is that effective use of uh, intelligence led policing or is that harassment? You know, because there's a very thin line. Um, In relation to that. Now, when it comes to how the police manage to gather that intelligence, a lot of that is open source intelligence, uh, social media, for example, uh, and they will try and infiltrate certain accounts to try and find out more information. But also they have snitches. Uh, People might not want to believe that, but uh, they do have snitches who are feeding them information about people who are main players within any risk group, within any football fan base, and they will be feeding information constantly to the police. And a lot of people don't like the, the... thought of that but it does happen um, so intelligence led would definitely be the way forward but again going back to the point Lawrence made where was that intelligence led policing leading up to the point where everybody realised it was going to happen the celebrations in inverted commas um, turning nasty and, and damage being uh, inflicted on street furniture etc
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's frustrating to see this all taking place after the event. The scenes we saw were entirely predictable. And because they were predictable, it means they were preventable. Um, It's not up to us or or the media or or anyone to tell the police what what they should have done. It's up to them to have known what was required for that situation. Um, We see... We've seen recently um, at various gatherings that they're more than capable of dispersing large crowds, Um, just apparently not large crowds of football fans, or the correct Rangers fans. It wasn't football fans. It wasn't Celtic fans, Aberdeen fans, House fans. It was Rangers fans, and they weren't dispersed. In fact, by the police not doing that on the Saturday and by the media glorifying it and reporting on it, it encouraged it on the Sunday. Um, So I do think it's a bit rich for them now to to take this action ahead of this weekend's game. And equally, you know, the club that were involved last weekend or the weekend before have to look at their own actions as well. It's all well and good coming out now with statements from their captain, from their manager, from the club saying, don't gather, don't attend. You know, if they'd done that a couple of weeks weekends ago, we really could have seen those scenes being prevented. So it is, mm. it is too late, Um but in saying that I would certainly have to encourage any Celtic fan who was considering attending Celtic Park at the weekend not to do it um, we don't want to be dragged down back to that level we don't want our name associated with that those scenes were a Rangers issue you know let's keep it that way and let's not have us go down to that level by turning up everyone can enjoy it from their own homes and we'll get back to the ground when we can um, but for me it's just again to reiterate the message from the club that we should be watching this one at home
3: Definitely. I think John Kennedy came out, didn't he, on Celtic TV to Mm -hmm. send that message as well. Natasha, using the wonders of modern technology. Now, one of the big uh, questions today is around Roy Keane. Uh, We've got to mention him. Uh, I know it's going to be part of a wider discussion tomorrow with Colin Watt on Paddy's Day. Uh, But Roy Keane, for me... I tweeted straight away, not for me, Natasha, absolutely not for me. And I based that before he even got onto the intricacies of his character, his approach, the way that he is a divisive uh, figure it has been said in changing rooms and dressing rooms, both as a player and as a manager. I just based it simply on his managerial record. I had a look at his record and I just don't think that it's good enough for him to be considered as a Celtic manager. Uh, And I stated that and I think the majority of Celtic fans agreed with that. Lawrence, I'll come to you first. What's your thoughts on Roy Keane? I'm going to go to some of these comments as well. Some brilliant comments coming in uh, on the social media channels.
4: What's your thoughts, Lawrence? I think, you know, you know, it definitely demands high standards of professionalism and diet and all that. You know, I think he would bring that. But for, for, for me, it's no. And Even if you go back to how he reacted to in the World Cup to Mick McCarthy, and it just that blown up in public. His managerial record, I think, you're right, it's not good enough. And I, I've also got the feeling that you know, once he's not back, Desmond once, I don't think Dermot will give him a second opportunity. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. he's had, had his chance when his stock was a bit higher. He said no. His managerial record's not great. So yeah, for me, I don't think he's he's the right guy. But. <sighs> You know, he would certainly come in as the figurehead manager. It's, I think, for us, it's more about the whole team that comes in as well. But for me, it's an but It's going to rest with Desmond and that. I think he'll say no purely based on the fact he knocked him back before. I don't even think he'll, you know, he'll go as far as managerial and what else he would bring. I think he'll go. Look, you had a chance, and you said no, and that's it. You don't get a second chance. Mm. Uh, you've
3: mentioned Mick McCarthy there. You know. Natasha, three, four months ago, if we were shouting for Mick McCarthy to come in at Celtic, we would have been shot down in flames. Look at the job that he's done mm. at Cardiff City. Um, yep. You know, Mick McCarthy and Roy Keane famously fell out over the facilities uh, that the Republic of Ireland were dealing with in a major tournament's finals. He uh, does have high standards, of course, but um, I think that what's happened over the last season, is that we've realised that the approach in Neil Lennon certainly didn't uh, work with yeah. the current group of players that we have at our disposal. Do you think Roy Keane could come in and get a tune-out with that team?
5: You've touched on it there, um, and I only echo what you guys have both said about his managerial record, but taking that to one side, looking at his style of management, now it's very clear he's an old-school, he, or he would have an old-school type approach. I think it'd be very similar to Lennon's, um, and we've just seen this season that Lennon's style doesn't work with the squad we have in place. Um, and we've touched on it before in the show. This idea of a modern footballer and modern footballers aren't responding to old school tactics. And for me, Roy Keane would bring in this old style that we're trying to move away from. Um, it, it didn't work for Lennon, and I don't see how Keane would therefore be able to, you know, get a tune, as you said, out of you know a player like. Edward or Cham or El Yunusi or Jillian or Ayer or Christy, you know, we're moving into these modern players who apparently don't like being shouted at on the side of a pitch and the old school hairdryer treatment does not work on these type of new players. And I think that would be an absolute clash of styles with what we've got with Roy Keane and the players in the squad we have Um Obviously, you know, a lot of the squad that we have are these modern players, but a lot of them are going to be leaving. Um, Mm. And it depends on the group of players you have coming through. But I think we are moving towards seeing players more like that, old school management going a bit more out of the window. Um, And it's these progressive younger European managers um, that are getting... You know, more out of, of players like, like that ilk that we mentioned um, so for me maybe Roy Keane would have been the man for the job back in 2014 when he turned it down, the crop of players we had at that time probably wouldn't be described as this new modern footballer um, and maybe he regrets not taking it at the time but I think he could have done a great job then, I don't think he'd do a good job now
3: no, I, I tend to agree with that um, and I, I think back to when he was announced as a player and the scenes outside Celtic Park mm-hmm. um, you know, we've seen similar kind of scenes when Robbie Keane came in uh, quite late at night and he was announced on, I think it was transfer deadline night Robbie Keane was announced and this this uh, congregation of fans outside Celtic Park and then of course, famously, Brennan Rodgers attracted about 13,000 fans to the stadium um, at the moment if they were to come out with this box office appointment and I'm not saying Roy Keane is that box office appointment they would have a job on their hands Lawrence trying to make fans not go to the stadium I don't think that's a consideration at this point I've got to say but um, certainly that would be uh, you know the feel good factor gets people in their droves going to the stadium Um, but I don't think Roy Keane's got that attraction now to, to Celtic fans as he did as a player or as Natasha said as he may have done back when he was asked first time round
4: I think this is a, whether it's Roy Keane. I think it's still a bit box office, but I think we could get better. But hopefully, this is just news management, and hopefully, Celtic everybody manages it. as when they do the announcements through pasty paradise, and they tell everybody to listen, sign in. We've got something to tell you, something big, and announce it to the fans one to one, and really get a bit more professional about it. I think you know the information's pretty tight at Celtic Park at the moment. I think the decisions have been made, and I think it's just news management. But I hope. Mm. Isn't to the press. I hope they cut the press out and just do it directly to the fans initially and try and get some goodwill and some extra value back to the fans. Uh, And I think whoever comes in is is going to be box office. But uh, yeah. Uh, I'll come back to you.
3: I'll come back to you on that, Lawrence, because I'm going to ask you where we are with this at at this moment in time. Uh, First of all, Pat. Patrick Murphy. You're watching on YouTube Patrick. Thanks for joining us. We are building the channel um, and it's all fan media. It's fan motivated media. Everybody who is on a Celtic state of mind um, is a Celtic supporter and we're putting our views across uh, so please subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on there. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Patrick reckons no he shouldn't even be in the conversation. Very little success as a manager and volatile reputation. It stinks of a lazy approach if Keenan in the frame, but I think it's paper talk and clickbait. Uh, Celtic Rambler goes on to say if they appoint Roy Keane, there's serious problems going on at Celtic and OB Boy. No, too keen. Celtic have to think bigger. And, you know, there's also other people coming in uh, to echo that view. Kaplan Mark, not the best choice, but we we'll take him over a project under 23, coach. So that brings into uh, the question the, the Fergo Harkin stroke Enzo Maresca approach. And that's one that we have spoken about, Natasha, on the show. Maybe a wee bit more difficult to sell to the supporters, but a longer-term view if we were to go down that route.
5: Yeah, to be honest, um, I have to disagree on that one. I think I would take Maresco over Keane um, any day of the week. Um, If we're looking at where we're going as a club over the next two Three five years, then I think that something like a harkin and Mareska partnership is where we have to look at. Um, I fully accept that he has not been tested at you know a fuller management level. That the under twenty three league um, isn't the same. Um, you know, you have to. Gerard was an under twenty three manager. While it's taken him time to get up to speed, you know, it, it's worked. Now the concern I see there, the Celtic fans looking at it and say, well, you know, if Gerard was an under twenty three manager. He needed years of experience to get him to where he is now. Um, yeah. you know, he failed for years before achieving something this season. We don't have that time. We need the pendulum to start swinging back instantly. So appointing an under-23 manager does come with that risk. For me, from the, the signs that we've seen, if we bring in someone like Harkin to oversee him... Um, and then let him have, you know, free reign of the coaching and the training. I think that sort of partnership could work. And it's probably more along the lines of where we want to see our club going. I mean, that Manchester City under 23 team are flying. You just have to look at that result the other day. That's 7 1 to put them five points clear at the top, I think it is. He's getting, you know, great results out of a young team. And um, some of them are still only teenagers mm. in that league. Um, and if we want to start focusing more on developing our own players, um, getting the best out of the players we have, getting the best out of the youth system, and um, using that more as, you know, sort of financial markets and Brexit markets take effect, then he has to be a great choice for that role. Um, so for me, yeah, I it might not be a box office name, but in terms of what we could achieve under that, I think Harkin and Moreska would be a great appointment.
3: You're talking there about some other managers who have taken that route as well. Natasha, you mentioned Stevie Gerrard, um, who obviously has, has come to fruition for him now. But, you know, Brennan Rogers, I'm not saying he was uh, Chelsea's under-23 coach, but he was the head of the youth uh, at Chelsea and he's learning his spurs there before he moves on to be a manager in his own right. It's It is a route and it is a path in modern football that managers do take. And I think, one of the biggest things for me looking at um, Enzo Maresca is he will have an intimate knowledge of that market down south. I mean, he is—he has a team that's playing every other team in that division, who will be filled with talented players who will never break through. Uh, to their parent club be that Spurs, Arsenal, Man United etc and of course the Man City players that we've already seen um, over the last few years who have come from the under 23s and I think Kevin and Russell touched on this yesterday and they've come into Celtic and they've been standouts I mean, Frimpong being the latest example of a player who was playing for that very team not that long ago. Now, um, he's an £11.5 million signing um, from Celtic to Bayer Leverkusen. So I think that's key because obviously the change in markets that you've mentioned, you need to have a a knowledge of the British market because that is the type of player that we're going to be buying moving into the new season.
1: It's the Marketers Report. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Lawrence, what's your thoughts on that? Maybe it doesn't have the box office appeal, but if we have a plan, it sounds as though that would fit the plan much
4: better. Yeah, I think whoever we bring in, it needs to be bringing the team in. And I think box office is really about how we manage the news and how we pitch it, how we communicate about what we're going to do. If we just go, it's fair going under 23 coach for Man City and that's the announcement. It doesn't sound very good. But you know, there's a way to build this up, and you know, a plan to put in place. And if we communicate that effectively, I think it becomes box office. You know, uh, if we say, Look, "This is why this guy that here's his record, this is what you know, what plan to achieve in the next five years with him," all of a sudden it's a bigger announcement. He looks to be doing well with under twenty threes. You touched on at Rogers, you know, was at Chelsea and Reading as well, and yeah, it, it's a route you've got Bale across the city so, who will learn at a number of clubs. Uh, as a coach, so definitely it uh, does. It fit what we're doing. We've certainly the lot of dealings with Man City recently, haven't we? That, that seem to have worked. And I've got to remember, Frenpong was a guy that surplus to their requirements that we've just got. You know, what is it, ten million quid for? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you, that that's a standard that he is not good enough, uh, you're, you're wondering what guy you know the standard that is good enough to meet his team. Mm. So, you know, they're letting him go. So, I, 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 yeah, I think the guy definitely knows a player. If you look at his results, the, the team is playing well. Some people might say, you know, Man City have got more money to spend uh, down there in England. but well, we've got the most money to spend in Scotland. So, it's kind of moving from the, the same market conditions, if you like. We, we do mm. you know, spend in other clubs. We are yeah. club in Scotland with the biggest budget.
3: Now, Robbie Smith comes in and asks the question if Roy for example, going back to Roy Keane came in, would he bring his own team or would he keep Kennedy in Strachan? And I find that an interesting point because Brennan Rogers um, has been bigging up John Kennedy and saying that uh, certainly if he doesn't get the, the manager's role, he should remain at the club. Uh, John Collins thinks it's too early for John Kennedy to be the manager. And um, we've had uh, the likes of John McGinn and John Hartson uh, bigging up Stevie Clark for the manager's position. Names, other names that are still in the frame are... Such as uh, Eddie Howe, Frank Lampard, and of course chris welder was was linked last week after he departed Sheffield United. I'm going to ask you um straight up Natasha, who is number one on your list at the moment, is it Harkin Mareska or is there someone else you you fancy yeah if i'm
5: if I'm going with what I think we can someone I think we can actually get um on the list that I've got in front of me, yeah I think it is, I think I'm more coming down to the idea that Maresca and Harkin is the right double act for me um, the talk of Wilder I won't entertain, um, I don't think he should be even considered for the job um, the other names on the list I think are probably slightly unachievable um, if we're going to talk about Benitez yeah I'd love that um, You know, I'd love Pep as well, I don't think it's going to happen, um, so if I'm looking at that list there yeah um, I'm going to say no to. It. Like, I'm not going to say yes to Clark. I don't want it to be Kennedy. Um, so yeah, Mareskin, and Harkin for me is is coming out top in the list. I don't know what you guys think.
3: Yeah, I like the idea of it simply because if you take everything. Into consideration where we are, where we're going, um, the financial element of it, the uh, issues that we may have with what was our signing policy, you know, buying young players from overseas, nurturing them, selling them on for a profit. We might have to revisit that. So I totally understand. But I'm like yourself if we were to announce someone like Raniak and Benitez and, and Martinez and all of these uh, massive named managers then of course it would excite me as much as it would excite the next fan but my big fear there is that there are managerial vacancies coming up down south there's mm-hmm. going to be far more between now and the end of the season and I think Eddie Howe and uh, Chris Wilder and Lampard will be on the top of numerous lists at this moment in time um, I'm going to come back to you because I know that last week Natasha there was a, or this week there was a there was a meeting via Zoom which unfortunately uh, my email ended up in the the spam folder and I, I didn't get to the meeting but it was an update it was a Zoom meeting uh, with Celtic shared wasn't it so what what's the update that you got from that meeting
5: yeah so no, it was a good it was good to have a kickoff meeting um and explain to to the people on it a bit more about um who Celtic shared are and what their goals are you know short term long term medium term um and it was an opportunity for representatives for from some of you know the big associations um, supporters clubs and um, fan media to all come together and talk about what we can do as one group um, under one umbrella to try and you know have a bigger voice at the club. Um, because I think that's one thing that we all recognise as needed, is a bit more representation. Now, we're not asking the club to come and consult us as to who the next manager should be. Um, you know, we, Nobody's talking about having that level of influence over the Celtic board. What we are talking about, though, is having a bit more um, collaboration. Um, listen to us, listen to our views, um, and you're going to create better harmony with, with the support. And that can touch on a range of issues. Um, you know, obviously the big decisions are, are for the board, but let's take our views into account on some of, some of the other ones which are going to really directly affect us. Let's talk about the added value issue. Um, you know, why why would the club sit amongst whoever's making these decisions and decide what is added value for the supporters when they've got fan groups available to discuss that with them and discuss their views? And now, they don't have to take them on board, they don't have to implement the views of the fans, but why aren't they listening to them and why aren't they trying to have that sort of collaborative approach to some of the decision-making that goes on? Um, so, yeah, the kickoff meeting was great and really discussed how that we can use Celtic Shared as a vehicle Um to, to try and get some of these actions into place. Um, and the first step is going to be creating, you know, a bit of a working group um, of representatives. Now, people have concern that it's too linked to the Green Brigade, um, and we've said a hundred times that it's not. The Green Brigade aren't running this. The analogy they like to use is that they put the, the keys into the ignition of the car and someone else will be driving it. So the next steps for Celtic Shared now are to... To you know, create a bit of a working group to to drive this forward and try and create some change. Um, And there'll be plenty more Zoom meetings um, going forward. So I'd encourage everyone who's interested to follow the Celtic shared page on Twitter. Mm. Um, And if you haven't been involved so far, drop the guys an email and they'll get you onto the mailing list. um, and, And you'll be able to join some of the future Zoom calls.
3: Brilliant. Uh, And again, brilliant engagement, Natasha. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Um, Some excellent comments coming in in the Welcome back to the show. You're commenting on YouTube. Roy can't manage players uh, of inferior ability to himself. I remember hearing a story about uh, Glenn Hoddle, who obviously done particularly well as a manager, and he could not get it he couldn't get his head around players who couldn't do what he could do so instead of continually trying to explain it he would just do it uh, but then the players had this reaction of the gaffer thinking he's a better footballer than us even though he's 10-15 years older so I understand that and that's why every great player isn't a great manager because you know they can't get their methods through to the players uh, that they're dealing with as well um, a lot of the time you and boy Martin Keen would be a disaster and set us even further back and interestingly enough I've mentioned Mick McCarthy he would be um, a choice before Keane as well Zinko has um, a very definitive list here Benitez Martinez Howe and Hughes in that order it's interesting to see how uh, Marcus has appeared a fair bit on on the media in relation to his availability uh, obviously we spoke to Mark a few weeks ago um, and you know he is a candidate, and he did appear on on the odds list. I think uh, you know you might say, well, Neil Lennon appeared on Aberdeen's odds list, so you don't know what to make of that. But without uh, you know without doubt, he will get a job in management, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was in a job by the end of the season, and it'll probably be down at the top tier in England as well. So you know a lot of people mm-hmm. scoffed at the idea, of Mark Hughes. I still think he is a genuine mm-hmm. candidate uh, for our job. But what I would have done is I would have had him in just now assessing the squad. Uh, you know, even on an interim basis to the end of the season, and then we can reevaluate it from there. Uh, one of the, the biggest concerns for me, and we did speak about it on Saturday, Colin and I, is just the raft of players going to be leaving Celtic Park uh, this pre season. So I've written down a potential line up against Rangers this weekend. Let me know if any of these players have been called off by injury and I'm not aware of it. I reckon we're going to line up Scott being in goals with Kenny Luxall Ayer Welsh Brown McGregor Christian Turnbull Edward and El I think that is a potential lineup for the weekend's game. But if we were to go back to the conversation that Colin and High had at the weekend, Kenny and Luxall are definitely gone. They're going to be returning from the loan. Ayer is potentially going to be bought for big money, hopefully. If it is going to be a transfer, it's for uh, the right price. Scott Brown, there's question marks around whether or not he's going to play a part next season. And then you've got Christie who may be leaving eduard who almost certainly is leaving and Moy, who may be going back from his loan deal so that leaves from the 11 mm. scott bain stephen welsh Callum mcgregor and david turnbull that I is think astonishing I that's think two that's all two all thirds well. of it that's two thirds of a side gone i think bain mm. will
4: be off i think we're keeping i don't think it was mm-hmm. second choice so We we discussed Bay that as well yeah yeah. Well, I think Conor Hazard's your normal, you know, second choice. You've got Bar-Kaz. I think we're going to, if isn't going to work, the new guy, I think we a new keeper. And I think Bane will then look at it and go, like, right, there's Barcaz and Conor Hazard. I, I, I'm off. I need to be playing first choice
3: somewhere. Mm-hmm. It really is. When you write it down and you look at it, even Bane, you know, I did have Bane circled on Saturday's agenda as well, Lawrence, because I agree with you. He's at that age now but he's almost 30, and I know goalkeepers can play longer, but he's definitely not going to go into next season as number one. I mean, Conor Hazard signed a deal, so he's going to be A backup, maybe number three. Um, we've got Barcasts there. The Barcast situation would be, do you cut your losses and get two or three million pounds back for him by selling him back to a Greek club? And then the new manager wants to bring in a new goalie. So Bain question mark over him as well. And it just leaves us with Welsh, McGregor and Turnbull. Natasha, what's your thoughts on that?
5: it's frightening isn't it it's frightening how much of a rebuild this is actually going to be and we've talked about it being a big rebuild but only when you say it like that and only when you write it down I think do you really appreciate the magnitude of the task that is ahead the issue is who's is ahead for you know who is coming in to take on that task because if you look at that number of players going out the door that's the number of players we need in the door at a minimum and mm-hmm. um, so the turnover is going to be huge and like you said, we're less than 100 days from the start of the Champions League qualifiers and this task hasn't even started yet. Now, it's going to be a mammoth effort to get that number of players out and that number of players in and form them into a cohesive team ready to start a Champions League qualifier. And we're so guilty of going into these qualifiers underprepared and I can't see this season being any different from from the time we've got left and the tasks we've got ahead Um Like you've touched on, Paul, I have absolutely no idea why we didn't have someone in in January, if they were available, um, and start the task then, you know, the the longer we have to do this, the better. And all we're doing there is sort of, you know, shortening and running out of time. Um, The only explanation for me can be that we are waiting for someone who's only going to be available in the summer. But if they've decided to go with someone who's asked to wait until the summer, then they've taken a huge risk on the the way we're going to be prepared for next season. Um, So the person they bring in is going to really have to have been worth waiting for. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about the size of the task ahead and the period of time we've got to do it in, because we really need to hit the ground running next season if we're to start the pendulum swinging back this way
3: yeah you're right and you know when I'm looking at that Lawrence I made a point during the week that this would be one of the reasons why I would actually keep Scott Brown um, th- there's a continuity aspect to this that if that amount of players leave and there's more I mean and you're expecting Cham to leave permanently you would expect players maybe like Rogic, uh to be on his way there's question marks around Klamala, Bayo, Jack Henry you know other guys who are out on loan that will um, be sold on a permanent basis. So when you're looking at that side, I made the point that guys like Scott Brown, the senior pros, those who have the knowledge of Celtic, who have been there for a number of years, I would put James Forrest into that category, Callum McGregor's in that category, and potentially Lee Griffiths, but there's a question mark even around Lee Griffiths um, and his future at the club. I think that would be the main reason why I would keep Scott Brown at Celtic because we need to stabilise and even if he's not playing every week you need to have that familiarity uh, with uh, the nucleus uh, of a team that know the club and know the expectations of the fans as well, Lawrence what's your thoughts on the upheaval and whether or not it's a good enough reason to keep Brown for at least another season
4: Uh, I think even without the upheaval I'd keep Brown around about the club Uh, he's been so successful at the club so upheaval regardless I, I would keep Brown, and I think it's just another reason to keep him we've got a lot of players going, that, that probably reflective of the, the, the fact that the manager wasn't allowed to let players to leave who wanted to leave last summer, so we'll probably get a kind of twice a normal turnover it could be a good thing, you know I think with Covid and the financial effects in football clubs I think there's going to be a lot of bargains to be had out there uh, I think the manager's been appointed, Celtic or well, we've decided to is and he? he's having a look Celtic are signing players at the moment Mm-hmm. He's giving the green lights for for signing players you know it, surely not Peter you know he's leaving surely he's, he's not still uh, signing players so I think there's a lot going on in the background I remember when Strachan was appointed it was months before that that was announced Strachan you know it eventually came out he's t- talked about it he had to keep it secret for months he was appointed mm-hmm. he was looking at videos he was doing the work in the background and I think we're in a similar situation at the moment uh, huge turnover uh, but then again, a lot of, a lot of the players you wouldn't want to keep. Uh, I think Griffiths will probably stay because who's going to buy him with his recent track record and the wages he's on? So I don't. I can't see league in a club who's going to pay him similar wages, and I can't see somebody want to stump up for someone that it's come March, he's not fit. Now whether that's to do with just in the pass or whatever, they're still going to look at it and go, you know, when was the last time he was fit for a season? Or Three or four, once in a row. So I think Griffiths will be about. There'll be an option, but yeah, uh, big turnover, which hopefully is exciting for us. Uh, you, you know, we, we see some good quality coming in. Uh, we've already signed one player, but uh, I think it's an opportunity to, to build something for the new for the new manager. Well, you you mentioned Griffiths, so
3: I'll run with that one as well because there's a big question mark for me over Lee Griffiths. I think that uh, on a Celtic state of mind, we continually spoke about him in uh, positive terms. I think we we took into account all the issues that he's had away from football off the park. And I think most people will agree that, obviously, some of these things were out with his control, but there were other things he could and should have done better. The fact that we're now in the middle of March and Lee Griffiths may or may not be fit match fit for a game is just astonishing and there needs to be some ownership and accountability uh, on Lee Griffith's shoulder, shoulders uh, in relation to that he's now 30 if you were to look at the last three seasons he's made 19 appearances this season and this includes substitute appearances 32 last season and 20 the season before so we continue to go on about the season where he scored 40 goals that was five years ago now and I think that you know 20 appearances 32 19 um, on average off the top of my head what you look Looking at twenty odd, 24, 25 appearances a season, at the age of thirty, any incoming manager is going to look at that and think that's not good enough. Um, I can't rely on that player. If there's no uh, real connection uh, between the manager coming in and Lee Griffiths, I can see him and being shown the door. Uh, on the flip side, I've just said that I think it's important that we have the continuity of players like him and Brown, McGregor, and Forrest. Natasha does he get one final chance has he had quite a few final chances already
5: for me I think he's had enough final chances um, and I think a new manager coming in is likely to show him the door to be honest Um, we've had a lot of sympathy in the past for Lee Griffiths on here and continue to do so but he has cost us this season he didn't turn up for training you know, fit to to do his job Um, and that's on him Um, and he's not been fit for the entire season his wage could have been to someone else who was going to give 110% rather than to someone who was going to give 60%. If we had a fully fit, firing all cylinders, Lee Griffiths this season, partnership up front with, Edward that worked so effectively last season, you know, it, I'd go as far as to say, you know, we could have won games that we didn't. Um, so he cost us, he's cost us points. And for me, that's very frustrating. He has had enough chances um, and I don't think a new manager is likely to retain him on the basis of that. Um And again, touching on the point of wanting continuity and wanting leaders around the club. I'm not sure I'd put Griffiths into that bracket. Absolutely, I would. Brown and McGregor and Forrest. But I'm not sure Griffiths is exactly the role model. I want the younger players coming through to try and emulate. Um, The other three, absolutely. Yes, leaders, keep them around and focus on them. And I think one thing we have perhaps lost this season as we did lose some of the leaders in the team um, whether footballing wise it was time for them to go is perhaps true but when you lose players like Gordon and Lustick and Hayes you know some of the leaders in the dressing room it did seem to fall apart in that department a bit so absolutely agree with keeping Scott Brown around for his qualities in that area similarly to McGregor and Forrest for that bit of continuity but for me Griffiths doesn't fit into that bracket and I'd probably look to move him on.
3: If, if we're removing Griffiths from my list of four that, that uh, came to my mind, Natasha, do you think that someone like Beaton, then, who already seems to have one foot out the door, um, is that type of player who's got the international experience, the experience at Celtic, yes, he's never a first pick, but he's adaptable enough to play mm-hmm. midfield or in defence. Is he the type of person that you can understand why a, a, a new manager would keep him for the very same reason of this continuity that we're discussing?
5: Yeah, I would keep Beaton if I'm honest. Um, he is that sort of utility player that can fit in in the midfield. He can fit in at centre half and he gets the club and he's been around it for a long time. Um, and he's always shown 100% commitment. I would keep, keep Beaton for, for next season in the same way that I would probably have kept Hayes for this season. Um, someone who knew the club, someone who had leadership qualities left back, left midfield you know, whatever you'd ask of him, now he wasn't the best footballer and I don't think Beaton's the best footballer in the squad, but the other qualities they have, I think are important and I think we've lost that a bit this season
3: Yeah, you just look at Beaton, I think, you know, eight seasons he's been at the club. So that's the continuity that we're talking about. He's seen the successes, he knows the demands. I don't think he's ever going to be the first pick, but, um, you know, in saying that, you look at some of the seasons that he's had and he's made, you know, a number of times 30, 40 appearances, not so often in the last three seasons, to be fair, but um, he's that type of player. He's only 29. You talk about Lee Griffiths, he's 30. You know, near Beaton, 29, will he stay. Um, There's certainly going to be up to, I counted, 18 players who may be on their way out of Celtic Park, which is astonishing. You made a good point there about uh, players being role models for for younger players coming in. And we've been very critical of Celtic over a number of months in relation to the fact that we don't seem to be able to produce a striker that can score goals. Uh, It's been many, many years since we did that. Um, But we shell out Millions on players like Klamala 3.5 million pounds coming in from Poland you know again how long is he going to get before we make a, a final assessment on him Bayo comes in for a couple of million quid yes yeah, scoring a few goals in the French second tier but is he good enough for Celtic my assessment would be absolutely not why can't we produce our own and the, the big uh, example I would use is Stephen Welsh so at the beginning of the season we needed this uh, centre half and this was at a time when Julian and I were both fit and both playing and we all wanted another centre half uh, to steady the back line we brought in Duffy Duffy on big wages big loan fee it's cost the club millions of pounds to bring him in yet I, I, I can't find a Celtic fan who would pick Duffy over Welsh for the game this weekend. Doesn't that show, Lawrence, that maybe we should have a wee bit more faith in the youth? Because Welsh has come in, and I know that, that Colin maybe doesn't uh, rate him as highly as I do, but for me, alongside Ayer, he is our second centre half at the moment.
4: Yeah, but you know, the boys need a chance, and I, I think well, without reserve football, we've talked about loads of times, they don't really get the chance. And it's when, when we should be leading them, how we should be bleeding them. Well, hopefully, the new manager's better. better Going to be a bit better at it for us. Duffy's definitely the wrong mistake. Look good in paper, but yeah, we've, we've got to give people a pathway to the first team. And if they don't see it, they'll go elsewhere. But we've seen a, 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 a number of players leave to go to Bayern. That, you know, mm. uh, there's David Hayes' grandson. You know, is talking me. It's yeah, but we need a manager that's going to convince people that, that, that the pathway is there. And we do need to have faith. But I think Welsh it was kind of sink or swim with him. We were down to... To nothing. There was no mm. other option. It wasn't a master stroke or anything, but and it wasn't a, a show of faith. It was like, right, we don't have anyone else to play. Let's play him. And it seems to have worked out to a degree. And it may, but uh, we, we carry a big squad, so that's not really going to be a route that's open to a lot of people. You know, the sink or swim route. But we, we need something that's a bit more planned. Uh, <sighs> Natasha, I think oh, we right do. Now. Yeah.
5: The the only issue I have with with giving some more of the youth players a chance, and we say you know we have to, we kind of did in January. Um, now I was listening to Marvin Bartley speaking um, the other night when following you know some of the changes that had been made, and he was touching on the Celtic team that played against Livingston, made up of the youth players. And he actually expressed a bit of surprise at how poor the quality was. Um, He thought Celtic would have this excellent youth department whose players were ready to step into first-team football. And unfortunately, I just don't think they are at the moment, and too many of them haven't been. um, Absolutely Welsh has done a great job since they came in. Um, But, you know, the others we tried or had to bring in in January following the Dubai issue. You know, if you look at Henderson, if you look at... Ocoflex, um, they weren't yet at the standard ready to step into the first team. Um, so what we need is a manager, a coaching setup who are capable of offering, like Lawrence has said, that pathway of producing better players from our own youth department who can come into the first team because the field of youth players we put out in, in January, far too many of them weren't at that level yet um. So we do need we do need to do a bit better in that department. And touching back on it, maybe someone like Maresca, who knows youth football and knows how important a pathway from under twenty threes to first team is, could come in and help with that. Mm.
3: I think it's one of these things and we're probably all guilty of it Natasha whilst you're winning league after league and there's invincible seasons and trebles how many of us are saying ah, but you know I wish we had a left winger who came through the youth development rather than, than Sinclair or you know Dembele I wish we had reared you know you don't look at it because you're enjoying the moment and you're, you become intoxicated with the success and I think football fans are guilty of that and it's maybe only now where it's all kind of falling to bits that we're now looking at a more long term view interestingly enough yesterday I was speaking to some Someone who's been involved with Motherwell and Hibbs, former player, who's been involved with the youth uh, set up at Motherwell and Hibbs, and what he says is they know at the age of twelve and thirteen how difficult it is to get boys in because they all want to sign for Celtic and Rangers. But the boys they get in, by the time they're 17 or 18, have got far more experience and are now, at that age, wanted by Celtic and Rangers. And the players their contemporaries at 12 and 13 are lost to the game. So he always advises young kids to go to a club like Motherwell or Hibbs where the chances of first-team opportunities are are far higher. Because if you want to play for Celtic or Rangers, you've probably got a better chance doing it that way you know going to Motherwell or Hibs or some of the other teams that was the two examples he used because he was involved in the youth setup and he reeled off a number of names of players that he had coached as young kids who had gone on to play for Celtic and a few, obviously, who had gone to Rangers as well. So it is a concern. And I think that, you know, that approach, going uh, to the next comment coming through from YouTube, uh, YouTube, winning an under-23 league with Man City, not a huge achievement. They will attract the best youth players possibly in Europe. Um, absolutely. I understand that point but I think that when Celtic are looking to the full situation that they're going into next season this desirable of having two or three young players coming through Natasha becomes a necessity because we won't be able to to bring in as many players as we did in the past and I think that it's terrible to look at that Celtic team I've read out and said well why is John Joe Kenny playing at right back why is Diego Luxalt playing at left back that's because we don't have a 17 or an 18-year-old right back or left back who's good enough. Yeah. So we've had to go out and get these guys in on loan. And both of those players have come in during the season. It's not as though mm-hmm. we, we we thought, right, we're going to bring them in at the beginning of the season um, and they'll either play second fiddle to Frimpong and tail or vice versa. It's because we needed to strengthen the squad, we don't have... The youth development. Interesting that um, those comments were made about the, the Celtic youth because we have always had a tradition of producing young players. Uh, do you think that because of the situation we're in, Lawrence, that uh, some of these traditional values, maybe not by choice, will return to Celtic next season? Um, but it will, of course, take a number of seasons before we see the fruits of that labour.
4: Yeah, I think any youth policy is going to be judged over five or ten years. I don't think next season even if we implement it be, like, to judge whether it's been a success or not. But I, I kind of read an article and it, it's made me think we've really got to concentrate on the first team and the reserve team and it's maybe how much money are we putting into a complete youth set-up and would we be better buying play, players that are from elsewhere, like from Motherwell or, or Hibs, that are good enough, that have got the potential to up, step up up the can players in the under-23 or reserves or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the first team ready. And that's where you spend the money that you've been investing in, in youth, because that must cost us a fortune to run it. What, what is it? Two and a half million. Is it two and a half million pounds a year? Yeah, I th- I think so. to 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 run it. So,
3: but then the question would be: We're no longer at a stage where we can get a player from Motherwell for three hundred grand, as we maybe did in the past with with the likes of Stephen Pearson, for example. You know, Motherwell want three million pound for a player uh, oh. at that level now
4: much was that boy we just picked up from England thought They're going to play in compensation. For uh, it'll cost about three hundred grand. Right. So that th- there's players out there that we can that someone's signing that thinks that they're, they're of that level. What was them. that model? Was it Brentford Lawrence? Was it Brentford that did that a few it years Brentford back? Have done it yeah. years. that a few years. back would be good success. And it, something you've just got to look at your return on investment and and, and as it therefore is it there for us? We spoke about there's a gap between the the youth set up and the first team getting the first team ready we don't really see a way to to bridge that up with the current model well do we keep it investing in the youth while that gap's still there we don't have a way to, to bridge it or do we just say well look because that gap's there it's not really a sustainable model why don't we then copy the Brentford model and get first team ready players up that ready step in
3: It's an interesting um it's an interesting one to throw into the mix because it goes against everything that I believe in in terms of Celtic, Lawrence, but understand the argument. Uh, we've been speaking about the Rangers game. Before we go, Natasha, give me a prediction for this weekend. Are we going to break the domination, this invincible league season that Rangers are on currently?
5: <laughs> yes, why not? I've got to, I'm going to go with yes. Um, it's about time the team delivered us something this season. Um and it does have to say it, it's got to new laws if this is all that we're taking as a high from the season. But yeah, they've they've got to give us something. They've got to to step up and achieve something um, and play to keep their jersey if they if they want um, to be here next season. Although most of them may not. Um, yeah, I'm going to say yes.
3: So Natasha thinks we're going to win, Lawrence. What about yourself? Is it going to be a three nothing win and
4: a job offer in the Shivers this weekend? So I think we're going to turn up in buses that aren't parks at Hamilton. We won't clap them <laughs> onto the park. We're going to win 1-0 by a penalty. The Rangers will get a penalty given against them and a man sent off. So they will also lose three records. They will have a penalty That's against and a man sent off. <laughs> and we will win 1-0.
3: Lawrence wants it all this weekend, and why not? Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Loads of great comments coming in on the social media channels. If you haven't done so already, support uh, Alternative Media by subscribing to our YouTube channel. And all that's left for me to say is thank you once again to Natasha Miko and Lawrence Conley for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
1: Daniel Leto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard
0: thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent.
1: As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.